I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Today, I would like to present an introductory level discussion on the book of Acts and what it says about the day of Pentecost. Jesus promised the coming of the Holy Spirit. You can find that in the Gospel of John, the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapters. The Jewish people celebrated the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. The people gathered and rejoiced over the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And during this celebration, Jewish people from all over came back to Jerusalem. It was a great homecoming, a pilgrimage to observe this festival. Some theologians suggest that the birth of the church was on this day. So let's just take a look at the second chapter of Acts to see what it says. Acts, the second chapter, begins in this way. And in the Bible that I have, it's, it's a, there's a, a title that says the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. So the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And of course, they are talking about, the scriptures talking about the disciples. They were in Jerusalem in what was referred to as the upper room, the upper room of a house. This gathering together certainly represents their unity. It represents their being positioned in prayer during this festival in the central place for worship being Jerusalem, to celebrate the feast as the tradition required them to do. This great homecoming pilgrimage was taking place. The Bible continues, it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, I watched a, a video movie production of this event, and the imagery was really spectacular. It was, you know, wind blowing and fires going around, and the imagery became the focus point. But I would suggest that instead of getting caught up in the imagery, we should think about what it actually represents. The sound of the wind and the, the tongues of fire that rested upon the disciples represents the presence of God, the activity of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rested on them not only did it rest upon them, it filled them and they, it inspired them, it empowered them to speak. The Bible says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So yes, the, the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in other tongues. 
Now, I must tell you that different denominations have different interpretations of this portion of scripture, especially relative to the other tongues. But today I propose to you that the other tongues mentioned in this scripture were actually languages that were understood by a diverse audience. Why do I say that? Well, the Bible continues on by saying that in verse 5, it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a great crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. So now let's imagine this. For this celebration, Jewish people who had been scattered all over were returning to Jerusalem. The ones who were scattered are returning to Jerusalem being the central location for worship. It was a homecoming. And as they arrived and heard this sound, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it, they asked, that each of us hears them in our native language? There were people from many different locations that heard the gospel in their own language. Now, their comment about the Gal Galileans aren't all these who are speaking Galileans. It is believed that the Galileans were mostly a poor people, certainly not able to speak in many languages, not educated in that way where they would be proficient in many different languages. So the claim, the biblical claim, is that it was the Holy Spirit that enabled them to, all of a sudden, speak in these different languages. A, uh, as a side note, I would say that this is the exact opposite of what God did in the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis, the 11th, 11th chapter. In that story, the people were building a tower to reach the heavens. They wanted to build the largest structure in the land. It was, a, it was an effort uh, on, based on pride. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to reach the heavens. And what happened? God disrupted their language where they couldn't even understand what was being said to each other. He disrupted their language. In this story, everybody hears the gospel in their own language. So they are united in their differences. They still, in the difference of their cultures and language, they still get to hear what is being said in their own language. 
And the Bible tells us where, from what parts they were coming from. They were Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. This was certainly a diverse crowd that spoke many different languages. And they get to Jerusalem, the Holy Ghost moves and hears the uh, disciples, the apostles speaking in, in the many different languages that everybody was able to hear in their own language. The, but what's important is what they heard. The crowd said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So that's the important piece. What did they hear? They heard the wonders of God being spoke about in their own language. So the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell everyone about the greatness of God. Are we telling about the greatness of God today? Or are we telling another gospel? It's a good question. The Bible continues on. It says, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some of the crowd, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. And to me, that, that criticism, that mocking doesn't even make sense because how would uneducated Galileans speaking many languages be the result of drunkenness. It just doesn't make sense. The Bible continues on and, and, and Peter addresses the crowd. It says that Peter stood up and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He said, um, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter quotes the prophet Joel who, who delivered a message of the of forthcoming judgment the need for repentance and God's promise of restoration with God ultimately pouring out his spirit on all people. This is what Joel said. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And here's the promise. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So yes, Peter uses the prophetic words of Joel, Joel. The words of Joel represent, again, a warning of forthcoming judgment, a, a call to repentance, and God's promise of restoration and the pouring out of God's Spirit on all people. And so it was with the people gathered for the festival. The disciples were empowered to tell of the greatness of God, and now they delivered a call to repentance and the promise of salvation. Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit and continues to tell this story. He went on to say, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, if I jump down to verse 37, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So they were touched, they were convicted, and now they were speaking direction. They were speaking wise counsel, spiritual direction. And what did Peter, how did Peter answer them? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. The Bible says that with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and, and about 3,000 people were added to their number on that day. So now we have heard about a scattering of a people, a diaspora, all over the nation they were scattered. And they returned to their central place of worship, being Jerusalem, to observe and participate in a great festival. So as I'm reading this, a question arises for our own personal application. Have you ever been or felt scattered, drawn away from your centered place of worship or right living? Even after you got saved, as they say, and identify as a Christian, have you ever felt the need to return to your spiritual center in Christ? Perhaps you were pulled away from your faith tradition, from your family, and maybe today's a good day for a homecoming, a spiritual homecoming to return to the Lord who saved you, to the God who created you. 
This is an introductory level view of what happened on the day of Pentecost, as told in the second chapter of the book of Acts. And my prayer is that we are led to the appropriate response. Some of us need to repent and cry out to the Lord for our rescue. Some of us need to come home to what we know is right after we've been pulled away by other things and other people. Some of us need to realize that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell the gospel story. So if you're a preacher and you find yourself pulled away from the gospel and you've become satisfied with delivering another gospel or entertaining people with theatrics, perhaps today is a good day for a spiritual homecoming. I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover and you are listening to Faith Talk. I would invite you to visit the website at www.reverendjstewartglover.com where you can uh, sign up as a, on the mail, to be on the mailing list. You can reach out to me directly or you can uh, register to be a guest on the show. You can even leave a voicemail for me and I will return your inquiry. Thank you for being part of our global listening community and I look forward to being here next week at the same time. God bless you. And may the Lord keep you and prosper your life according to his will and purpose. Amen.